and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you. Powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go defending you from all harm if you walk into a trap they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling you'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness trampling every one of them beneath your feet for here the lord has spoken to me because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. 
His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under His covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, is being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go. Victory Christian Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here today. And if you're watching online, you're in a great place where we can learn about God, experience His goodness, grow in our knowledge of Him, and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we humble ourselves under your mighty hand that you may exalt us in due time. And Lord, we give you all the glory and the highest praise, for you alone are worthy, and we bless you and welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together. It's a Thanksgiving weekend. Amen. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Bless the Lord, Almighty One. Bless the Lord, you heavenly host. 
thank him in this place today. We bring thanksgiving extra special today to you, God. Extra special thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. Father, we thank you for how you're directing our lives. How you've led us in the places of truth. How you've guided us. How you've covered us. How you have protected us. How you saved our lives, Lord. How you have provided for us. What do you have to give thanks to God for? Come on, thank him in this atmosphere this morning. Lord, we create an atmosphere of thanksgiving towards you, Lord. Because of what you've done for us and just who you are. Oh, we worship you in this place, oh God. I have heard a sound coming on the wind, changing hearts and minds, healing broken ends. I feel a generation breaking through despair. I hear a generation full of faith declare.
your presence in our lives. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you're in the atmosphere. Where two and three are gathered, there you are in the midst. Oh, we speak to every situation, everything that the enemy has brought on the people. Lord, you already paid a price for it. We call upon the payment of heaven. Jesus is the same. Come on. Jesus is the payment of heaven. Everything's been paid in full. Sickness has to go. you paid for Lord it's a very high price there's no other price to be paid we worship you in this place we worship you in this place as we worship this morning prepare your hearts to receive Prepare your hearts to accept what Jesus has already paid for. Prepare your mind to accept what Jesus has already paid for. Oh, we worship you in this house this morning. And when you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. And when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. And nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. Oh, let's sing that again.
that for a minute Jesus himself said about the father he said I can do nothing of myself we can't live without him we need Jesus we need Jesus in our homes we need Jesus in this country we need Jesus in our marriages we need Jesus in our families we need Jesus in our city in our neighborhoods in our schools We need Jesus in the hospitals. We need Jesus in the workplaces. We need Jesus. Oh, just tell him how much you need him. Let him know how how important he is to you. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Peace. 
Jesus, we need you and we trust in you with all of our heart. We lean not on our own understanding, but we acknowledge you in all of our ways that you may direct our paths. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy towards us. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. You never leave us nor forsake us, but you're with us. When times are good, when times don't seem so good, you're with us. And you're working in us, leading, guiding, and directing us in the way that we should go. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for being right here, right now, here in this place, in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. The living God is among us. And Lord, you speak to us. I've written my word to you as a living script. You have a lead role in performing your part, doing what was written for you. For what is written for you is the truth. It is the absolute truth. It needs no improvement. It needs not be changed. You can trust it. You can live it. And you can do it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Thank you, sound crew and video crew. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Thank you for all of our volunteers. Hallelujah. We need you all. We appreciate you so much. Hallelujah. Well, you glad to be here this morning? We're glad that you're here. You're a good-looking group. Say, I'm, I'm good-looking. I'm good-looking. Hallelujah. <laughs> VCF cooking makes me good-looking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we like to speak the word around here. You know, it's a privilege to be able to speak the word yes. of God. Amen. And uh, God delegated his authority so that we can do this. This is how we get the victory. So let's make our confession of faith. Jesus, Jesus is, is our Lord and Master, and, Master, and we, we are, are always learning about him, his, his ways and his kingdom. We, we will willingly and faithfully come to Jesus to find rest for our souls. The Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. We do his will because it is our delight. His gentleness and humility give us great peace and security. We choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, and, and we, we remain, remain secure and at rest in the Almighty shadow. He alone is our refuge, our fortress, our God in whom we trust. The Lord has rescued our life from death. He bountifully blesses us and is always good to us. Therefore, we rest in him. Because God's peace is with us and in us, we do not worry and we cast all our cares on him. 
We are, we are confident, confident in Christ, Christ and, and enter into his divine rest by faith. The Lord freely offers his rest to all of us, and we receive it because we believe it. God's rest refreshes our souls. We are God's people, and there remains a Sabbath rest for us today. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Good morning, VCS. All right, we have a couple of announcements today. Today is November 20th. We are almost at the end of November. Um, So we are extending Pastor Appreciation Month, which is dedicated to October, but we're extending it for all year long um, because we would love to send our pastors on their Caribbean vacation, and that's best to go in the summertime. Um, But also we just want to create like an atmosphere of love and appreciation here. That's what they have taught us, and so we want to show that all year round. Just as a reminder, um, there will be no This Generation and no Bible Adventure this week. Um, Schools are on a weird schedule, you know, with Thanksgiving break and everything. On Tuesday, though, we will have youth group, and that is from 6 to 8 p.m., and we have special sales going on with Palazzo Creations. Um, There's new baked goods and soups. I heard that Miss Dottie made some potato and sausage soup. Is that right? Okay. And I realized I'm like, yes, we are in soup season now. So <laughs> winter winter is coming quickly. It's kind of cold out. So also there will be no service this Wednesday, November 23rd. So spend time with your friends and your family. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And um, then jumping ahead to Christmas, we will have our candlelight service on Wednesday, December 21st. And that will be at 6.30. I believe that's the Wednesday. Yeah. Um, So there will not be Christmas service then on Sunday, December 25th. So we will have it like our regular Wednesday night refreshing time. Um, If you are interested in being part of a kid's Christmas program, they're going to do something. Abby's planning it. So if you are interested in having your kids sign up for that, um, you do not have to be here for the Christmas candlelight service Um, because I know schedules happen and things, but if you want the kids to participate, you can talk with Miss Abby. All right, so that's our announcements for today. Um, I wanted to share with you the fact that I learned. I was reading a little bit about sheep. There's a lot to learn about sheep. Um, But one of the things that stuck out to me is that their wool, what they're covered in, um, wool is actually antimicrobial, which means that it, like, naturally rejects germs and bacteria and mold and it's also fire and wrinkle resistant i did not know that (laughs) 
And I just thought, you know, if we are acting like the sheep that we are supposed to be, right, we are on a sheep diet like we are here at VCF, then our covering, like naturally, we resist disease, we resist fire from the enemy, you know, we don't grow old, we're not wrinkly or anything like that. Um, And I learned that sheep's milk produces the most protein out of all of the animals that produce milk. Right? So as sheep, we produce the best things, right? So that's my announcement for today. (laughs) Someone say, praise the Lord. Someone say, God is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, it's always a joy to come together and to celebrate the presence of the Lord. And uh, that's what we do at VCF. God is alive. He's not dead. And God is full of joy. He's exciting. And uh, church should be that way, too. Church should be a fun atmosphere, a wonderful environment. And uh, we come together because we want to grow How many want to grow in the knowledge of God? You know, you don't want to just stay the same, knowing the same thing that you knew about God 10 years ago. God is fresh. He wants to do a new thing in this earth. He'll give us a new and fresh anointing. Amen? And uh, he does that through the teaching and preaching of his word. You know, Jesus went around uh, teaching, preaching, and healing uh, in all in all the villages, he traveled uh, all around to different counties, to Galilee, to Judea, and uh, he kept going. And then he sent he he employed uh, twelve people that traveled with him, and then he sent out seventy that would go to cities before he was going to get there, and they could kind of prepare the way. And uh, hallelujah! And uh, we're 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 part, we're part of that that's still going on today. Amen? Greatest uh, corporation ever. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to encourage you uh, in your giving. You guys are such awesome givers, and uh, we're so appreciative of your giving, and and God blesses you for your giving. And uh, we just want to thank you for your giving. But, you know, everything that we own and everything that we have comes from God. You know, You say, well, I'm a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman. No, you're not. (laughs) Because uh, who gave you your breath? Who gave you your mind? Right? And uh, no matter how you look at it, it all originates with God. And uh, we get to be stewards of what he's given us. And as a steward, he requires that we give him a portion back. It starts with the tithe. The tithe is a springboard of giving. And the tithe, it just means 10%. So anything that comes into your hand, 10% of that is God's. And what that does is, that is the key to opening up the windows of heaven. And when you tithe, you enter into a covenant with God, and you say, God, I recognize that you're the source, and uh, uh, you're the source of all things, and beyond the tithe is the offering, Right? And if you read the Old Testament, I mean, there were waves offerings, grain offerings, drink offerings, peace offerings. I mean, there were offerings for all kinds of things, right? And uh, so an offering is above and beyond the tithe, and that's where where God really blesses us. 
And when we get into that, that, that gets us into the overflow. How many want to get into the overflow? And then uh, almsgiving, that's giving to the poor. You know, when you, the Bible says when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord. So he'll give you back uh, what you've given. And then there are first fruits. When you get an increase and you take a portion of that increase uh, for your first time, that's a first fruit. Amen. First fruits don't always occur often, uh, but hallelujah. How many are, have been blessed by giving? Amen. So here at VCF, you can give any time in the service. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. You can use a card in the bookstore. If you're watching online and you're listening to this word, uh, you can give also through our website. And Father, it is my honor and great privilege to pronounce your blessing upon your people, your givers and their gifts, Father. We call them increased. We call them protected, provided for, and prospered in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I'm blessed. Hallelujah. All right, we got some awesome kids in this place for Kids Life. So kids, we want to dismiss you to your class now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Have a good class. And we're so appreciative of the kids that are learning to run the sound and the cameras. That's awesome. The next generation. Amen. Amen. We love all generations. This is a generational church. Hallelujah. And uh, our young people, man, percentage-wise, they're, they're heavily involved. And uh, sometimes our young people are here about four days a week sometimes. And uh, we just appreciate them so much. Hallelujah. Well, this morning we are continuing with what we started last week. How many know that God expects some things of us? You know, we, don't, we shouldn't think that that's strange because, um, you know, parents expect things of their kids, don't they? Teachers expect things of their students, don't they? Doctors expect things of their patients, don't they? Uh, employers, do they expect anything of their employees? So it shouldn't be a shock to us that God expects some things of us as well. And God has high standards. And the good thing about God is he will not compromise his standards for anyone. But we have an opportunity to come up. See, I can come up higher today. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is our text, verses 22 to 24. Ephesians 4. You know, I would, I would encourage you to have a device or a Bible with you. Because, you know, we got to become skillful in the word. Amen? And uh, you wouldn't want to go to a mechanic that had no wrenches, would you? That, that would be good. Or a lawyer that didn't know the law. That wouldn't be too good, right? So uh, it's good to have a Bible with you. I want to encourage you. Uh, God, you know, our technology today makes it so easy. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22 It says that you put off concerning the former conversation or the life or the the manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. The old man is the person you were before you knew Jesus. That's considered the old man. And the old man is corrupt. Everybody say the old man is corrupt. Anytime that we want to live like the old man, we're living according to corruption. 
Okay? So he tells us to put off the old man, right? But God doesn't want to leave you naked. He always wants you to put on something. All right? So we put off the old man and be renewed in the spirit of our minds, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Say righteousness and true holiness. So God wants us to put on righteousness and true holiness. In other words, how do we do that? That's living like Christ lived. It's thinking like Christ thought. It's speaking like Christ spoke. That's what it means to put on uh, the new man. The new man is created in Christ Jesus. He is the pattern. He is the example. He is the model. He is the mold. And God wants us to be like him. God expects us to be like him. Now, last week, we talked about the things that God expects of us. He expects more of us. Uh, he always wants more fruit, right? If you think you, you reach the fruit plateau, uh-oh. If you think, oh, look at the fruit I produce, God says, yeah, let's prune you and make you more fruitful. God is in the pruning business. I prune trees for a time in my life, and uh, it makes a tree bigger, broader, and more fruitful because it eliminates the waste things. God will eliminate the waste things of your life. Okay, we talked about that last week. And we talked about that God expects you to witness. God gave you power to witness, and we are witnesses. And a witness tells what they know, what they've seen, what they've heard, right? So we are witnesses. God expects us to listen to him. We've got two ears and one mouth. James said, be swift to hear and slow to speak. And uh, the Spirit of God in writing to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he said, you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in this moment. All right, so God expects us to listen. And then God expects us to draw near to him, right? He's already made the first move when he left heaven. Now we've got to draw near to him. But when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Amen? So we're going to go with this a little bit further today. Uh, God expects you to fellowship with him you know god is into fellowship amen did you know that god wants to be your friend go with me to first corinthians chapter one first corinthians chapter one and we're going to look at uh, verse nine first corinthians one and verse nine i'm giving you milk and meat today these are some scriptures that we can sink our teeth into because these are scriptures that we can become, that we can live by. All right. These are practical things. OK. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine, it says, God is faithful. And by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Did you know that God calls us into fellowship? He calls us into partnership. That Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. You ever hear that word? How many ever heard koinonia? Yeah. All right? And uh, it's, uh, it's a fellowship. It's a partnership. Um, 
it is a, a, a benefaction. Um, it means to communicate or to commune, to distribute, right? How many know that uh, when, when Peter was fishing and Jesus got into his boat, he needed help to bring in the catch, right? Because it was so much fish, one boat couldn't contain it all, so he called to his partner. They were in business together. They shared something in common together. That's koinonia. So God, who is faithful, he calls us into fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can talk with him. You can walk with him. You can have lunch with Jesus. You can have breakfast with Jesus. You can have tea or coffee with Jesus and a crumpet, too, if you want. Amen? Hallelujah. The New Living Translation says, God will surely do this for you, for he always does just what he says. He is the one who invited you into this wonderful friendship with uh, his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, the Bible talks about two guys who were named friends of God, Moses and Abraham. It's written in scripture, so it's forever settled. They were friends of God. Did you know that God spoke to Moses like a man spoke to his friend? Face to face. God didn't speak to Israel that way, but he spoke to Moses that way. Why? Moses had a closer relationship with God than the rest of Israel. And so God spoke to him that way. The Amplified says, God is faithful. He's reliable, trustworthy, therefore ever true to his promise. He can be depended on. By him you were called into the companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Did you know that God called you into the Christian life not to live it alone, but to do it with him, for him to do it through you? God wants to live through you. He wants to speak through you. He wants to touch through you. And we do that by fellowshipping, right? Sharing time together, hanging out. You know, God just likes to hang out. God likes you and him time. He expects us. You're never going to grow in your relationship with God if you and God never have conversations. Can you imagine a married couple never talking to each other and being married for 10 years and never talking to each other? That would be sad. Right? We need fellowship. See, to fellowship means we get to partake of his grace. The Bible calls us, God made us partakers of his divine nature. In other words, we can share in his, he lets us share in his nature. Right? You were made a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you were made a new creature. Old things are passed away. You were made... When you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, you were completely made brand new. Hallelujah. You weren't just sanded and painted over. You were made brand new, an entirely new creation. You were like how you were, how Adam was in the beginning, before he he sinned. All right? So fellowship. Glory to God. Notice it's a calling. God calls us into fellowship. How, what does he say when he calls us? He says, come, come. You know, if you read the gospel of John, 
Jesus said a lot of comes. Come unto me, right, who, who are thirsty, and I will, and living water will come out of you. Glory to God. We can share things in common with Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Go to John chapter 15 for a minute. John chapter 15. Hallelujah. We need to go around saying, Jesus is my best friend. We got a BFF in Jesus. Amen? John chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus is talking here. He's telling us the the essence of fellowship. Abide in me and I in you. Wow. That's an exchange right there. How can we abide in him? Do what he says. When you abide in him... You are doing what he says. You are representing him, being like him. You know, um, Paul had a protege named Timothy. And he was about to send Timothy to a place. And Paul said, I have no one else who will represent me as good as you will. Why? Timothy and Paul had such a close relationship. Timothy was a son of Paul in the faith. All right? And, and he traveled with Paul for a time. And whenever Paul sent Timothy to t- somewhere, Paul knew that Timothy would represent Paul because they had such a close relationship. How many know that when, when you have a close relationship with someone, you start taking on their characteristics? How many couples can finish the other person's sentences at times, right? Or you know what the other person's thinking. Can I get a witness? Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because that's fellowship. You've spent some time together. You've gotten to know each other's voice. You've gotten to know how each other uh, acts, what they, what they want, what they expect. Amen? And uh, that's fellowship. You know, God expects his believers to fellowship. We're fellowshipping today. Right? right? This is fellowship. Why? Wow, we got more than one person in the ship. That's fellowship. Right? So... Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You're never going to be who you need to be apart from God. You only be who you need to be with God, through God, in God. Okay? No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him... The same brings forth much fruit. Who glory to God. For without me you can do nothing. If a man not abide in me, he is cast forth like a branch and withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, do you think he's talking about something here right now? Abide, 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 right? Hang out, dwell, make it, make it your resting place. When you abide in God, he abides in you. There's a mutual exchange. There's a participation and a sharing. Go to John 17. John 17 and verse 20. Jesus is praying here. He's praying for us. 
John 17, 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. How many has believed on him? So he's praying for you. Verse 21, That they may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. God wants you so close that he wants you to be one with him. He wants you to be like him. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. What other God in any other religion shares the glory with their followers? Only God, the one true God, Jehovah, right? I will share the glory that you gave me. I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me. You know, Jesus and I, we go together like peas and carrots. Right? Or whatever your favorite combination, peanut butter and jelly. Right? That they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me. See, when you're one with Jesus, when you're fellowshipping with him, people are going to see the difference in you. See, because when you fellowship with him, you're going to be changed. You're going to be new and improved. Amen? People are going to see Jesus in you. One time I heard a story about a man who walked into an antique store. And he was shopping around. And the owner of the antique store, he was the only other person in the store. He looked at this man. And he dropped to his knees and started to repent and ask Jesus into his heart. And the man was kind of taken back. He said, what made you do that? He said, I saw Jesus in your eyes. And, and the Lord said to him, he said, well, the eyes are my, the windows to the heart. He said, if I want to look out the windows, I can look out the windows anytime I want. Amen? But Jesus is praying that we be one with him. That's fellowship. That's intimacy. That, that's on another level. See, God never meant for us to live this life apart from him. And it's a testimony to the world. Verse 24. Father, I will that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me. And I have declared, verse 26, unto them your name, and will declare it, the love wherewith you have loved me, may it be in them, and I in them. Hallelujah. When you fellowship with God, you share in his love. Whoo, glory to God. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love never fails. So God expects you to fellowship with him. He wants us to be like-minded. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Hallelujah. Look at verses 1 and 2. If there be any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, 
if any fellowship of the Spirit, did you know that you can fellowship with the Spirit? You know, the Spirit is a person. He's a holy, he's holy God. It's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of truth, right? He's in you. You can talk with him. If there's any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. See, I can have the mind of Christ. You know, when you fellowship like with Jesus, you're going to become like Jesus. You're going to talk like him, walk like him, think like him, act like him. And that's what he wants. That's what he was praying for. Amen? We've got to be conformed to his image. All right? So let's take this a little bit further. The second thing that God expects of us is he wants us to know him. He wants us to know. You've got to know some things about God. He wants you to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. Well, where can I find that out? Right there in the book. You know, go to Proverbs 6 for a minute. This is extra. I'm not going to charge you anything extra for it. This is included. Proverbs 6. Hallelujah. Look at verse 16. God lays out clearly things that he does not like. Okay? Proverbs 6, verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. I like to say seven really tick him off. Okay? A proud look. God hates when we, we have a proud look. God hates a lying tongue. doesn't matter what color the lie is. He hates a lying tongue. Okay? He hates hands that shed innocent blood. Okay? He hates a heart that devises wicked imaginations. And feet that are swift in running to mischief. God hates a false witness. And he that speaks lies. And he hates one that sows discord among brethren. God hates it. Okay? So God wants us to know him. Go, go back to John 17 for a minute. John 17. And we're going to look at the beginning of the chapter. Hallelujah. This is good teaching. John 17 and verse 3. This is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, O Father, glorify me with uh, your own self, with the glory which I had before before the world was. So eternal life is this, that you know. To know someone... It's not just to have an acquaintance. It's to know some intimate details about their character, about their nature, about their personality. Amen? It's to have up-close information about them. God wants us to know him. And he, he, he wrote us a book so that we could know him. Amen? This word is the word, Greek word gnosko. Right? It means to know... Absolutely, in a great variety of applications, uh, it means to follow with others. 
It means to be aware of, to have knowledge, right? Uh, we got to know God. We got to know his spirit. We got to know what his mission was. We got to know uh, what he wants, right? Why? Why is that important? Because if you don't know him, you can't really serve him the best you, you, you could be. God wants us to know him, okay? Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Another familiar scripture, but it's a powerful scripture. You know, we shouldn't get so so familiar with the word that we don't get excited when we read it. We ought to get excited reading uh, a verse a hundred times as we did the first time. Why? Because the the Bible is alive. Okay? The Bible is a book of life. All right, John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. Oh, since you believed, you don't have to know anything else. No, he didn't say that. He said, if you continue in my word. Why did he say if? Because a lot of people, once they believe in Jesus, they don't continue in the word. Did you know that once you believed in Jesus, that's the beginning, but there's an ongoing process called walking in the light, living in the light every day. And the only way we can do that is by reading the word, because the only way we can do the word is if we know the word. You can't do the word you don't know. Right? If I left my wallet at home, I can't buy anything. Why? Because everything I need to buy stuff is in my wallet. And if it's at home, I can't access it. If I don't know the Lord, I can't access it. Okay? So in order to know him, you've got to continue in the word. Because the word and Jesus are the same thing. This is Jesus, right? This is our family tree. This is Jesus cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation. This is Jesus. Okay? Then he says, verse 32. Notice, if you want verse 32, you've got to do verse 31. You shall know the truth. You're not going to know the truth unless you're continuing in the truth. What's going to happen? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. Notice, it's the truth you know that makes you free. Not the truth you heard, it's the truth you know. How do I know the answer to a test? Because you got the answer correct. Amen? When you take a test in school, how did you know that you knew the information? Because you, you answered the question correctly. Right? You know it when you can live it, when you can do it. If you say, I know the word, and you're not doing the word, you lie. Because knowing the word is so closely connected to doing it. You can't separate them. God just doesn't want you walking around big-headed with head knowledge of the word. He wants you to have heart knowledge. Do you realize 18 inches could mean the difference of your miracle? Head knowledge versus heart knowledge. Where, should, where do we believe God's word? Do we believe it in our heads? Believe in the heart. We got to believe it in here. Amen? And when it's in our heart, and when it's coming out of our mouth, the same thing that's coming out of our mouth is in our heart, boy, power is released. 
But Jesus says, you shall know the truth. Okay? Hallelujah. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Is God's word good? Hallelujah. So, you know, it doesn't always make you shout, but it's, it's always good for you. The milk of the word, it does the body good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse... Uh, Sixteen. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. You know, some people may say, well, who, who can know the mind of the Lord? He's past knowledge, really. Does he reveal his knowledge to us? Anything that he reveals is ours. Anything that he keeps secret is his, but anything that he reveals, it's ours. Notice, who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of the anointed one. You have the mind of the Messiah. The mind of the Messiah has the mind of God because he has the same Holy Spirit. So the mind of Christ is the Holy Spirit because we have him. Philippians says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's so awesome. I have the mind of Christ. You can think higher. If you can think higher, you can live higher. If you can think bigger, you can be bigger. Hallelujah. But it's about knowing. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read this. But Proverbs 2.5 says, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. How many want to find the knowledge of God? It begins with having a, a fear of God, a healthy respect, honor, and reverence for God. That is the beginning of the knowledge. Amen? If you want to know God, you've got to fear God. Hallelujah. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And look at verse 9. I want you to know how Paul wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many know the grace? If you've been saved, you know the grace. If you've been empowered, you know the grace. If you had favor, you know the grace. Say, I know the grace of God. How did you know it? Well, God showed it to you and you experienced it. And, and now you know it. Oh, yeah, that's the grace of God. Man, Paul, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. You think Paul understood the grace of God? He was a murderer. He was a, uh, I don't know what to call it. I mean, he, he arrested believers. 
and he put them in jail. He watched them die. He held the coats of people who threw stones at people to kill them just because they believed in Jesus. And then he met the grace of God on the road to Damascus in person. You know, sometimes God, God will show up to you in person. You know, when he shows up to you in person, that's serious business, right? And, and Paul was traveling to, to go persecute people. He was traveling to do what he'd always been doing up to that point. And the Lord interrupted him. And he, and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Paul was made blind for three days. But after those three days, Paul decided that he was going to give his life over to Jesus. And from that moment on, he never persecuted another person. He never imprisoned another person. And he went and preached the gospel. He went and planted churches. He knew the grace of God. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. If it wasn't for the grace, I wouldn't be here. We got to know the grace of God. You know the grace. Paul wrote it. The Holy Spirit told him to write it this way. Why? The grace of God can be known. It can be experienced. It can be had. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Yet, yet through his poverty you might become rich. Say, I can become rich. Say it like you mean it. Say, I can become rich. Is that written in Scripture? Is that God's thought? Yeah, because the Holy Spirit inspired the writer to write it. We got to know him. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 10. Wherefore... I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts. They have not known my ways. When we don't know God's ways, God is grieved. He was grieved with a generation. Why? They'd see God work a miracle one day and they would complain about what they didn't have the next day. They would see God do a miracle about what they complained about and then they would complain about what they complained about what they complained about I was grieved with that generation because they did not know my ways how many people don't take time to know God they don't ask him questions they don't spend any time with God guys when you were pursuing your wife did you spend time with her can I get a witness? That's a good place to say amen, guys. Can you imagine trying to win a woman's heart and not spending any time with her at all? That ain't going to go over too good, is it? Why? Why do you spend time with her? Because you want to get to know her. Why? Because you like her and you want to marry her, right? Amen. So you spend time with her. And in that time, you get to know one another, right? And that's how God wants for us. He wants us to know him like a husband knows his wife on the most intimate, close level that we could possibly be. He, that's what he wants for us. And, and when, when, when we don't do it, it breaks his heart. God is grieved when people don't know his ways. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that you were speaking to me. 
You mean that was you when you were talking to me to do this or do that or not do this? I wish I'd have listened. That would have saved me a whole lot of heartache. You know, when we don't know God, we miss instructions. And when we miss instructions, we miss blessings. Someone say amen. Amen. We can know the Spirit of God. All right? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. These tie in together. God wants you to fellowship with him. God wants you to know him. And God expects you to study him. How many study God? God expects us to study him. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Now he's talking to a minister, but it applies to us. Study. I may say study. Well, I'm just not a good learner. You know, God can change that. You can pray and God will help you. He'll help you learn. He's the greatest teacher of all. There's not, a, there's not a challenging teaching moment that he can't overcome. Amen? If Helen Keller can learn some things, you can learn some things. Yes. Helen Keller is deaf and blind. But she was able to learn some things. Amen? None of us are beyond the capacity to learn. The question is, are you teachable? Are you willing to be taught? That's the thing. All right? Study to show yourself approved unto God. Everybody say unto God. God. You're showing yourself approved, not man's standards, but God's standards. Okay? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, if you can rightly divide it, then you can wrongly divide it. You can take the scripture that says Judas went and hung himself and you can take another scripture that says go thou and do likewise. That wouldn't be a good message. Would it? No, because you're taking two scriptures out of context. You can't take things out of context. Know who they wrote to, who was writing, right? What the context was. You got to look at some before and after. Sometimes you can't just take it as it is, and and try to put it with something else, okay? So, study to show yourself approved unto God, right? That you rightly divide the word of truth. Say, I'm a student. How many students of God are in here today? I've been a student of God ever since I've been saved. And I became a Bible junkie a long time ago. I got addicted to the word. I mean, there was a period in my life, in my, I got saved when I was 12, but in my late teens, from 17 to about 18 and a half, I backslid because I was, I was in a small church and the church could no longer uh, function, so the pastor and his wife were going to move and they moved far away and I was kind of a sheep without a shepherd. So what did I do? I was in high school. I hung out with my friends, my secular friends. I did secular things. I went to parties for, the, for that time. I got hit in the face at a party one time. 
uh, well, well, let me tell you that story. I was in a, I was in a place where I shouldn't have been, but you know how school robberies are. Well, I was the only one from my school, but everybody at this party was from another school. Okay, and I was there, and, and you know when when you mix alcohol and 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 ego, you get stupidity, <laughs> right? Well, this guy, for no reason whatsoever, just wanted to fight me. And I, I plainly told him, I said, I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. <laughs> but, you know, he had his three friends there. I didn't have any of my friends with me. I mean, I knew some people at the party, but uh, they were of a different school, you know. And uh, so all of a sudden, this guy just hauled off and hit me in the face. I mean, he gave it, I, he hit me, and, and then I just looked at him like this. You know, I just stared at him, and uh, I wasn't going to fight back because I was going to get, you know, I just, I just looked at him to let him know that, hey, your punch wasn't good enough for that. If that's the best you got, you better try harder, and I just, I just calmly walked away and left the place, all right? But true story, I wasn't in the place where I should have been because I was backslidden. But anyway, there was a friend of mine. I was working at a truck stop as a short order cook. And this guy, who, who God delivered him out of drugs, he would come in smiling, always talking about Jesus. And you know what? When you're backslidden and you encounter someone always talking, it annoys you. <laughs> My flesh was greatly annoyed. I was like, oh, there he, there he goes again, talking about Jesus. But thank God that he did. Because you know what? He was instrumental in me getting... Uh, back to the Lord. And I remember when I rededicated my life, the first thing that I did was I went and bought a Thompson Chain Reference Bible from my local bookstore. And I got into that thing, man. I tore it apart, literally. It, I read it till it was falling apart. I studied it. I spent hours and hours studying the Word. And then you know what? A funny thing happened. The more I studied the Word, the, the clearer God's voice w- was to me. I began to hear his voice, and I began to hear his instructions. Why? Because I, was, I became a student of the word. See, when you know the word, you'll hear God's voice better, more clearly. And uh, so I studied the word, all right? Go to 2 Peter. All right, go, before you go to 2 Peter, go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Look at verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. What does it mean, let us labor to enter into our rest? He's talking about study. If you want to get to a place where you rest in God, like, we're, like we do in our confession, we're talking about the rest of God. When you want to get to a place where you rest in God, study. Labor, study. You know, study is labor. It's intensive work. You know, before I had everything on a computer, I'd have five or six books out on a desk. I'd have my thesaurus, which I love reading, by the way. I have a thesaurus, a concordance, a Bible, a topical Bible, a dictionary. I had them all right there. And because I'd read something in the Word, and I'm like, what's he talking about? I'd have to look up a word, or I'd look up another word that says the same thing, and I'd get excited. Right? Reading the Word is exciting. It ought to be exciting. How many get excited about eating food? That's exciting. 
Guess what? The word is spiritual food. We ought to be just excited eating spiritual food as we are eating natural food. Why? Your natural body is temporal, but your spirit is eternal. What you put in your spirit is going to have a greater effect on your life, and it's going to have a greater effect on your body. So we've got to labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. There were a bunch of people that didn't believe God. Why? They didn't study God. The Bereans, though, in uh, Acts 11, man, they studied the word to see if what what Paul was preaching was so. The Bible calls them more honorable because they they made sure that Paul was speaking. Can you imagine if you're you're in a sermon where Paul was preaching and you're going to read the Bible to make sure that Paul was preaching the same thing? You ought to. Amen. You You ought to make sure that Pastor Doug's preaching what he needs to be preaching. How do you do that? You've got to study the word. Studying the word is not just for a minister. It's for the believer. It didn't say if you're a minister, study the word. It just says you need to study the word. All right? Say, I'm a student. All right, 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Things that God expects. I'll take things that God expects for 100, please. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. God called every one of you to do something. God's call is a revelation of his purpose. God's call is a summons to service. God's called every one of us. And your callings are not the same. Everyone is not called to preach the word. But you are called to do what you are called to do. Right? Being a homemaker can be a calling. Being a surgeon can be a calling. Being a teacher can be a calling. Amen? It's a calling. Hallelujah. But you've got to make your calling, you've got to give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ever say do these things. You shall never fall. How many want to prevent falling? Right here. All right, verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus. An entrance of what? An entrance of his word. You know, the entrance of his word gives light. And if you want more light, study. Hallelujah. we got to study the word. Did you know that when Israel... Uh, chose kings it says this in deuteronomy 17 the king had to have a copy of the law next to him so that he could read it so that he could learn it why because god expected kings to govern according to his principles so he expected kings to read the law they always had it with them near their throne so that they could read it why if you want to do it you got to read it if you want to live it, you got to read it. Amen? Did you know that fried chicken just doesn't jump into your mouth? How many, how many has ever experienced fried chicken jumping into your mouth? You have to actually take the piece of fried chicken, you have to put it in your mouth, and you have to take a bite, and you have to chew. And once you chew and swallow, then the body does the rest. Right? 
but it doesn't jump off the plate. Okay? Guess what? God's word doesn't jump off the page. You actually have to turn the pages. You have to put your eyes on there. You have to read and study the word. That's the only way you can grow. That's the only way you can increase in the knowledge of God. You've got to study. Isaiah 34, 16 says, Seek you out the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. God's word will never fail. All right? Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Is this helping anybody today? This is stuff for spiritual growth. This is good basic things that we need to be reminded of. Amen? Part of, you know, God expects his people to attend church because he's the head of the church. He bought the church with his blood. Uh, He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So if Jesus put emphasis on church, then so should we. Right? We're just doing what the head does. Amen? But but part of being a Christian is, is getting in the book so that the book can get in you. See, the only way that this is going to get in you is if you get in it. But when you get in it, there's an exchange happens, and you become Superman, Superwoman when you got the word inside of you. You become supernatural man and supernatural woman. Amen? Underneath Clark Kent, there's a Superman. But he's hidden unless there's an emergency. you got someone on the inside who's greater than he who's in the world. Amen? All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and uh, verse 13. Till I come. How long are we supposed to study? Till he comes. Has he come yet? Not the second time. He came the first time, but he's going to come again. So you study till he comes. Amen? God expects us to be lifelong learners. You're never too young to learn, and you're never too old to learn. Till I come, give attention to reading. Everybody say reading. And to exhortation and to doctrine. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. How many believers neglect their gift? You know, when you stop studying, you really stop utilizing your gift to the maximum It could be used. In order for you to have your gift at the maximum level, you got to keep studying. God told Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you might meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So God encouraged Joshua who was taking Israel into the promised land and going to distribute the inheritance to the uh, tribes, he told him to be a student of the word. Right? Daniel, when he read Jeremiah's prophecy about the 70 weeks, he began to pray for Israel's release. He was a student of the word. Jesus, when the prophet the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him in the synagogue. He knew exactly where it was said, which is Isaiah 40, or 41, I think. 
He knew exactly where it was said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Amen? And Jesus knew where to find it. He knew where it was located, and he read it. Say, he read it. Jesus himself read Scripture, and he was the Scripture. If the Scripture needs to read the Scripture, how much more do we need to read the Scripture? Amen? But he knew exactly where it was, and he knew that that was speaking about him, and he said, today this Scripture is fulfilled in your ears, because I'm here, I'm anointed to do these things. And he went about doing those things. He found his ministry in the Word. So did John the Baptist. Who are you, John? Are you a prophet? No. Are you Elijah? No. Who are you? I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Who said you were a voice? Isaiah, hundreds of years ago, said that John was a voice. So John had to find that in the scripture, and God said, this is what I want of you, John. Every, every call will be rooted in the word. Hallelujah. All right. We study. Till I come, give a ten. Give, all right, I read that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Another thing that God expects, God expects us to love him. He expects us to love him. And love is equated with obedience. Go to John chapter 14. Did you notice about these expectations? They're not too hard. We can do these things. Amen? John 14 and verse 15. This is Jesus talking here. He's an expert on what he's talking about. Because he lived it, he does it, and he studied it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Say love is equal to obedience. If you want to tell God that you love him, you could tell him, but how about if you show him? You do what he said. Okay? God expects us to love him. Hallelujah. So if you love me, keep my commandments. All right? Go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Hallelujah. Now this is this is a a um, this is tough to swallow. Okay? But it's true. Okay, because Jesus is saying this, and God's word is true, right? You know, God never made an oops. He never said anything that he had to take back. Every, every word of God stands firm on its own. And it doesn't need any help from anything else. And God meant what he said, and he said what he meant, okay? He that loves father or mother more than me. Oh, is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. When you love someone or something 
more than God, it's a love that's out of place. It's, it's a love that's distorted. Because the person or thing that you love more than God did not create you. Did not design you. Did not make you. So when we love someone or something more than God, this is Jesus talking. I didn't say this. This is Jesus saying this. Because people are not eternal. I mean, our spirits are eternal. But a person's going to die, aren't they? Unless Jesus tarries, we're going to die. And, uh, but Jesus is eternal. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was, he is, he is to come. So, when you love him first, you'll be the best lover of your spouse or of your children. Amen? When you got that priority set, that love just fills every other void. Amen? And you become better at loving other people and other things when you got the love of God first. That's the most important thing. The greatest commandment. Everybody say the greatest commandment. Now, you read the Old Testament. There's a lot of commands. God made them too. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Then, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? And besides, husbands, we're supposed to love our, our, our wives as Christ loved the church. He, it's supposed to be his example. How can we love our wives like Christ loved the church if we don't know how, how Christ loves the church? Amen? He's the, that's the standard. Right? And if we're, if we're falling short, we've got to repent and make it right. Guess what? You can study love and it'll transform you. Amen? All right. Let's go back to John 14. See, loving God is the greatest thing that you can do in your life. It's the highest priority and the most holy calling. All right. John 14. Look at verse 21. He that has my commandments. How many have his commandments? Right. If you have a Bible, you have his commandments. But guess what? Where are you supposed to keep these? You're supposed to keep them in your heart. That's the best place. Why? Everywhere you go, you take your heart with you. You may not take a Bible with you, but you take your heart with you. So what you put in your heart, right? Okay. He that loves, he that has my commandments and keeps them. That means does them, obeys them, right? He it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved by my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Oh, hallelujah. When you love God, he will love you, and you'll be loved, and he will manifest himself to you. In other words, he'll show up. To manifest means to appear, to make known, to be on display. How many want God to manifest himself to us? Amen? He shows up, and he touches us, and he leads us, and he guides us and directs us. When, when God took Peter, James, and John, he took them on the mount, right? 
And he already told, he already told his disciples, he said, there's going to be some here that will not taste death till they see me in my glory. Of course, they didn't know what that meant. Right? But God took three of his disciples, he took them on a mount, right? And there he appeared to them as he was in heaven with all of his glory, all of his splendor, all of his majesty. And they're looking at that and he's talking to Elijah and Moses, right? Who have died, but he's having a conversation with them because when you die in the Lord, you don't die. Hallelujah. You live. And there they saw the glory. They saw his, his clothes brighter than the noonday sun. They were watching this. Peter said, oh, it's good that we're here. Let's make three tabernacles, all right? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then all of a sudden, it was gone. All of a sudden, it was back to normal. But they got a glimpse. See, Jesus manifested himself in that moment, right? Maybe you're, you, you could be suffering from a, a, a problem or a challenge, and, and you're, you're praying all of a sudden because you love God and he loves you. He will manifest himself in that situation to change the situation. Hallelujah. Peter was in jail. And the church was praying because... The civil leader just wanted to make an example out of Peter. He was going to kill him. So the church was praying fervently because they love God and God loves them, right? And while they were praying, God manifested. He sent an angel into the jail. Peter was sleeping. The angel had to poke him. Get up, Peter. Oh, oh. He said, put on your clothes. Let's go. And Peter's walking. The chains fall off of him, right? They walk past two guards, and the guards don't even make a peep, right? They get to the iron gate, and the gate opens up by itself. And once they get outside, the angel disappears. And Peter thought he was dreaming. He's like, whoa, 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 what just happened? He says, I'm free. So he goes to where they're praying. He knocks on the door. The lady answers and says, oh, it's Peter's angel. He sh- she shuts the door and says, oh, Peter's angel's at the door. But that was a manifestation of God because there were some people who love God and God loves them. And he manifested and he changed the situation. When God manifests, your situation changes. But you got to love, you got to have his commandments and you got to keep them. That proves, that's the proof of love. How does God know that you love him? Because you have his commandments and you keep them. You do them. Amen? It's not about feeling. It's about commitment. Hallelujah. We can abide in his love. The love of Christ compels us to live unselfishly. Hallelujah. Ephesians tells us to be rooted and grounded in love. Some of us aren't rooted and grounded. We're too floppy. We've got to be rooted and grounded in love. You know, when you're rooted and grounded, you're immovable. When you're rooted and grounded, you're steadfast. A thousand people could try to tackle you and you won't move. Why? I'm rooted and grounded. Hallelujah. The enemy could do his best to knock you down, but you're going to stay standing up while you're rooted and grounded. 
Where, where are we rooted and grounded? We've got to be rooted and grounded in love. Amen? Rooted and grounded in love. We can know the dimensions, the depth, the height, the width, the length of the love of God. We can know that. He told us we can. How many want to experience more the love of God? God expects us to love him. Amen? All right, I'm going to end with this one. I skipped a couple. But God expects you to believe him. You know, God's greatest pain is when people doubt him. But his greatest pleasure is when people believe him. Amen? They just take him at his word. You don't need any other, any other evidence other than what he said. Hallelujah. Why? See, when you know him and you know that he's speaking to you, you know that what he says is true. What he says is going to come to pass. My goodness, a heathen centurion came to Jesus and he said, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. This is Matthew 8. Jesus was more than willing to come and heal his servant. But the centurion said, I'm not worthy that you should come over my house because of the things I've done. But he did recognize authority. He said, I have authority and I'm under authority. I say to this one, go and he goes. I say to this one, come and he comes. Right? But he, and he told Jesus, he said, you just speak the word and it shall be so. And Jesus marveled at his great faith. Because why? He had faith in the authority of Jesus speaking the word. He said, if you speak, all I need you to do is speak the word. And the word that you say, it's going to send power to my servant. It's going to send power to that situation. And it's going to change that situation. He didn't even need Jesus to lay hands on his servant. All he needed Jesus to do was speak. And Jesus said, this is great faith, the greatest faith I've seen in all Israel. He marveled and celebrated the fact that this man believed what, what he would say. To believe God is to place your trust in God's truth. To believe God is to take God at his word and trust him for everything. Everybody say everything that he offers. To, to believe God is to remain steadfast against all pressure. Everybody say pressure. We know the pressure that Jairus went through in, in Mark chapter 5. He came to Jesus. He was a ruler of a synagogue. Jesus came to the shore and Jairus went to worship him. He bowed down before him. He worshiped him. He said, my little daughter is at the point of death. He said, come lay your hands on her and she shall be healed and she shall live. Everybody say, she shall be healed. She shall live. All right? So on their way, we know the story. The woman with the issue of blood came. She gets her miracle, right? She gets virtue from God. Her, her miracle uh, is she's healed. But now they continue on to Jairus' house. When they get almost there, the servants come out and said, don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. Jesus heard those words, and he looked at Jairus. We better look at this. Go to, go to Mark chapter 5. I want you to see this. Hallelujah. God expects us to believe him. Why? He doesn't lie. 
He says the absolute truth. Okay, Mark 5, verse 36. You talk about pressure. Before Jairus left his house, his daughter was still alive. Okay? And he was, he came to get the answer to solve, excuse me, to solve the problem. All right? Verse 36, Mark 5. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, your daughter's dead. That's pressure. Okay, that's you can imagine hearing those words, all those feelings, all those emotions coming in your mind right now. Your daughter dead. She was 12 years old. She was sick to begin with, but now she's dead. You can imagine the pressure that Jairus was in. Okay. See, but when you believe God, you stand against the pressure. He said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid. Only what? Everybody say only. The only thing that he had to do was believe. What did he have to believe? He had to believe what he originally said. Come, lay your hands on her. She will be healed. She will live. That's what he had to believe. Okay? Everybody say, only believe. There is power in only believing Jesus. Jesus told him, only believe. Did Jairus speak after that? No, he didn't say anything. The Bible doesn't record him saying anything. Why? He believed. You know, when you believe, you're at rest. When you believe, you don't need anything else. Amen? When you believe, Jarius put his complete trust in Jesus. Because he knew what he asked for, he knew in who he was asking, and he knew the re- what the results were going to be. Okay? Now get this. Okay? <laughs> I didn't even plan to go to this story, but the Holy Ghost did. Verse 37, he suffered no man to follow him save Peter, James, and John, uh, the brother of James. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw the commotion, or the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. Everybody say, wept and wailed greatly. How do you feel when you walk into an atmosphere where people are weeping and wailing greatly? You feel choked up. You feel like you want to cry too. Am I right about it? Yeah. Verse 39, and when he was come in, he said unto them, the word said to them, why make this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but sleeping. Come on. See, when did the answer come to Jairus? When he believed. Could Jarius do anything else at that point? No. All he could do is trust in what, what he already said to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus agreed to come with him. Jesus agreed to do what Jarius said. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 40. They laughed him to scorn. Isn't it interesting? They went from weeping and wailing to laughing and scorning. How quickly they turned. But he put them out. All right? Sometimes you've got to put the people out of the atmosphere. All right? He took the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, Peter, James, and John. He entered in where the girl was lying. Verse 41. 
He took the damsel by the hand. Jairus said, come lay your hands on her. So Jesus touched her because that's what Jairus believed. Jesus didn't set the parameters of this. Jairus did. Come lay your hands on her and she will be healed. Jesus took her by the hand. He's touching. He's laying his hands on her. And he said unto her, Talitha kumai, which being interpreted means damsel, I say unto you, arise. Come, lay your hands on her, that she will be healed, and she will live. Only believe. Straightway, the girl arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve, and they were astonished with great astonishment. The only one who wasn't astonished was Jairus, because he believed. Even in the face of pressure, he believed. He refused to give up what he said. He refused to change his mind. He refused to compromise. He believed, even in the face of the strongest pressure, he believed. God expects us to believe. And once we believe, we don't change that belief for anything else. No matter what people say, no matter what we feel, no matter what the circumstance, we don't change what we believe. Only believe. Hallelujah. Jesus did exactly what Jairus said. He came. He laid his hands on her. She was healed and she lived. Why? Because he believed that. Amen. Hallelujah. To believe is to be fully persuaded that what God said is so. Irregardless of anything else. Jesus told his disciples in Mark eleven twenty four, he said, Have faith in God or Mark eleven twenty two, he said, Have faith in God. Amen. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you get born again. Amen. There's power in believing. What do you guys believe? What do you believe? Amen? Well, I, I'm not so sure. I, I think I'm gonna try this. No, trying is not believing. When you believe, you make a stand. You you make a line in the sand, and you're standing. And no one can knock you off of it. No feeling, no opinion, no emotion, nobody else. You are there. I'm standing on the solid rock. Amen? So God expects us to believe him. Say, I believe God. What he said is so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The way Abraham became righteous, he believed God. Thousands of years before Jesus ever died on the cross, Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him from heaven as the righteousness. He believed God and he received righteousness. Amen? Great things happen when we believe God. Believing God still works today. Amen? You can still believe God today. Hallelujah. So God expects us to love him. He expects us to know him. He expects us to study him so that we can learn about him. He expects us to believe him. Amen? And he'll reward you for everything. When you, when you meet his expectation, you get rewarded. Amen? God's a good God. He's the lover of my soul. Hallelujah. He's my redeemer. He's the Holy One of Israel. Hallelujah. He is the great I Am. He has done great things for you. 
Hallelujah. And we're glad. Oh, I'm so glad for what God has done for me. I'm so glad that God pulled me out of the clay and he set my feet upon the rock. I'm so glad that God called me. I'm so glad that God had a plan for me. I'm glad that God thinks about me. He's got thoughts about you. He wrote a book about you. He's always thinking about you. How, can, how he can improve your life. How he can make things better. How he can lift you up and change this and change that and get you to where he wants you to be. We serve a good God. He's active in our lives. Hallelujah. And it's our response that keeps that activity going. Amen. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Oh, hallelujah. If you feel like you fell short of any expectation of God, I want you to repent in your heart right now. I'm not going to have you come up. I just want you to make a decision. Say, God, I missed the mark. Please forgive me. Receive your forgiveness. Now let's go on. Make it simple, short, and sweet in the name of Jesus. But make it true from your heart. Amen? If you're not following God like you need to be, you can't hide it anyway. Everyone around you is going to see it and know it. Amen? You're not going to be able to cover it up. You're not going to be able to sweep it under the carpet. It's going to be there. Amen? So I'm encouraging you to change today. Today is a good day to make some changes. Today is a good day to take a step of faith and to take a step into a deeper, closer walk with God. Amen? Today is just one step in that direction. You take that one step in God's direction, God will meet you where you are. And he will bring you on with him. Amen? Just like Jarius. Jarius met him on the shore and he brought Jesus to his home. Jesus went with him all the way until what he needed to be done was done. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, Father God, I believe you. I believe your word. I love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength. I'm here to serve you. I put my trust in you. I'm continually growing in the knowledge of God. You're showing me greater things. I'm learning greater truths so I can be a stronger, more fiery, bold believer in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to your holy name. Praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So the greatest thing that you can do is to do this. Amen? This is the call to action today. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. Because if you hear the word and you don't do it, you know what you do? You deceive yourself. And the worst thing that you could do is live a deceived life. By continually deceiving yourself, thinking that you're better than where you are. Besides, you're not the standard anyway, nor you cannot compare yourself with anybody else either. This is the only standard. If you want to compare yourself, how are you doing with this? How are you doing with Jesus? Amen? You know, God expects you to walk in health. He expects you to walk in victory. He expects you to have 
a good home life. Maybe you grew up in a home life that wasn't good, but you know what? God's the greatest father of all time. He can turn things around. He can make a great home life now. Amen? Hallelujah. Our God is amazing. He has amazing grace. Glory to God. He's faithful. He's true. He loves you so much. And you know what? He'll work with you. He's not going to cast you aside because we're not where we need to be. He's going to say, come on, I'll help you. Amen? He'll he'll bring you closer to him. He'll work with you. I mean, he worked with Peter. If he's going to work with Peter, he'll work with you. If he had disciples that that were called sons of thunder, you know, he'll work with you. Amen? Hallelujah. He didn't cast Peter aside. I'm sure he maybe shook his head a couple times. But he didn't cast him aside, did he? Even when Peter denied him. Peter denied knowing him three times after he told all the disciples, I'll never leave you. He was, he was in Shakespeare. I'll never leave you. But he was the first one to deny him. The man that put on the act of Shakespeare was the first one to deny him. But Jesus didn't cast him aside. He simply asked him, he said, Peter, do you love me? If you do, then go feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And Peter, the one who denied him, was the one who preached on the day of Pentecost and saw 3,000 people get born again. That's awesome. Amen? Say, God's not done with me. You know, God's still got plans for you. doesn't matter how, what your age is. God's plan is still affecting your life, whether you are walking in it or not. But it's up to you to discover what his plans are for you. Amen? It's a gift. And when you do God's plans for your life, you will never be disappointed. Do you realize I don't regret preaching the word? I don't, I don't get up in the morning and say, boy, I, 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 I wish I wasn't a pastor. I don't. I passed up marvelous opportunities to do that. No. I enjoy what I do. Why? This is what God wants me to do. I enjoy pleasing my father. If God didn't have this for me to do, he would have something else for me to do, and I would do that, and I would be just as happy. You get the point? You've got to do what God wants you to do. Amen? doesn't matter what you do but is it what god wants you to do that's the thing i'm i know that i'm following god's plan for my life amen and i want to encourage you to do it it's it's so freeing hallelujah you can be you without regret you may have been oppressed but now you can be the real you with the real you please come forward amen hallelujah Oh, Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and your hand upon these people. I thank you, Lord, that you're leading, guiding, and directing them in the way that they should go so that they can walk in it. You're leading them on paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, you're unfolding and unveiling and revealing the plans that you have for them, plans to prosper them, not to harm them, but to give them an expected end in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you're doing this and you're working with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great and wonderful Thanksgiving. God bless you. Amen. Have a, have a great and wonderful week. We'll see you on Sunday.